as far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a... Josh Cohen and home team. to Josh Cohen and the home team with Dean Thomas and Tina. Delivered by Brightline. Live life on the bright side. This is ESPN 106.3. What it do? What it do? What it do? This is Josh Cohen and the home team on ESPN 106.3. I'm your host, Dean Thomas. Covering for Josh Cohen. Josh is supposed to be on the French Riviera. Chances are he's probably just kicking it in Riviera Beach. <laughs> Tina at the Machine Gun Kelly concert somewhere en route to that. So I'm going to hold it down for you with my boy. And you know him, you love him from Ken LeVick Alive. And that is Stone Labanowitz. Stone, what's going on? What's going on in West Palm Beach? What it do, baby? Weather's nice, man. It's hot. It's hot over here. Where are you at right now? I'm out in Austin, Texas for UFC fight night. So, so it's I'm, probably just as hot. It's just as hot out here, but probably not as humid. Maybe the temperature, we got a little bit more of a breeze. Maybe I don't know if we even have more of a breeze, but I just know that it's hot everywhere in the country right now. And you know what's hot. We about to get hot. 888-760-3776. If you want to talk about something, you want to chime in, please don't hesitate. Pick up the phone. Call me. Let me know what's popping. 888-760-3776. Dean Thomas on this Treasure Coast takeover with my boy Stone Labanowitz. Yes, sir. Now, Stone, man, you know I love me some beef. I'm the fight guy. I love some beef. And what's going on right now is beef where you wouldn't not expect it, and that is in golf. These cats at the live, that's what it's called, right? What does that stand for? That's a good question. I don't know. Or is it just live? Just, it ain't just live. It stands for something. It's but- got to stand for something. Yeah, I don't, to be honest, through all the airwaves, all the TV shows, I've never heard somebody say what the L is and what the I and what the V is. Well, I know one thing. They are shaking some things up in the golf world. Now, and I'm a little bit confused as to how this whole thing works because I'm not a golf guy. You know, I go out to the Honda Classic every every year and I do the show from there. And I've played golf a couple times. I ain't even going to lie. I had a par two once. You know what I'm saying? That, <laughs> that, that's back in the day. But what exactly is live and why is this and how is it different from the regular PGA Tour? So it's an it's a separate entity in itself. It is backed by the Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. So basically, they wanted just to be a competitor of the PGA Tour. To some, it was boring. And a lot of the people out there kind of thought it was dying. And I, and, and I speak Like for, the PGA Tour was dying. That's what they're saying. Right. That's what they were In thinking. the okay. same sense that the Major League Baseball is dying, they think golf is dying. And, and I, I'm speaking for Greg Norman, the president of the Live Golf Tour, formerly world number one on the PGA Tour, major winner. He holds a lot of trophies. He actually turned his back on the PGA Tour. And that's what a lot of people are upset about. But, yeah, it's just a Saudi-backed golf circuit they funded a lot of money into this thing if i'm not mistaken they've thrown 400 million dollars into this thing 225 million going towards the towards all of the prize money 
And they're giving top players guaranteed money, man, just to join right now. I think we're witnessing now, the dawn of a new era, to be honest so with you. Now, why are people thinking that the PGA Tour is boring or, like, dying or going out of style? Like, what is, what's wrong with it, like, to, for them to be thinking this? Well, it's been the same for over 100 years now. And what we're seeing in a lot of new sports, let's just take football, for instance. You have the NFL, and now there's other competitors coming into it. So it's the USFL. And what they're choosing to do is use different camera angles, mic players up, get a lot more behind-the-scenes footage, mic the coaches up, just trying to make it more interesting. I think just realistically... Yeah, but they're doing that in the NFL too, right? They're like, now you, you got these players mic'd up and so on and so forth. Yeah, but I think with certain partners you have, there are certain things you're not allowed to do. And, and uh-huh. this is a quote from Greg Norman, but he's really just trying to un- untap golf's true potential. Like, there's so much more that can, we can do from a content standpoint and just from a viewership standpoint. There's just not a lot that we got going on right now. Well, I mean, if you were to ask me, like, golf is boring in itself. It's probably one of them games that's, to me, I think it'd be more fun to play it than it actually is to watch it, especially right? on TV. Now, if you wanted to shake things up in golf, the easiest way to do it was have defense. Like, they should have a guy trying to block you from the shot. That's the worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it can't be the worst. I've had dumber ideas. That you Trust have. Trust me. I've had dumber ideas. But, I mean, so these guys come in. These live guys come in. These Saudi Arabian guys come in with a lot of money. Now, what exactly are they doing to change it to make it more entertaining or at least more attractive then the PGA Tour, like how? I mean, you can't really change the rules. Like, how can you make it more a- appealing by just adding more money? I don't get it. So there's different styles of golf you can play. So the format for the Live Golf Tour, it's called a shotgun start. So basically, this is kind of one of my favorite parts about it, if you were to ask me, which you are. It's a shotgun start is basically everybody in the field starts at the exact same time, just on a different hole. And oh. I, right. And okay. I think that's where we go wrong on the PGA Tour sometimes. Because depending on when you have a window during the week to watch, whether it's Thursday, Friday, yeah, most people are able to watch on Saturday, Sunday at their leisure. But let's say you have a scrub or a bum you don't want to watch, but that's the time you're working and that's who's on the TV. You have no interest in watching Matt Fitzpatrick. And you have to watch him anyway, right? And you have to watch him anyway because that's who the featured group is. That's who you're watching. But with the Live Golf Tour, what I presume they're going to do, and I checked it out in London and they did this. They put, they paired up some of the top players on their tour at that at the same time like they all started at the same time so they're all mic'd up and you basically get to watch whatever group you want to watch and it's all going to start and end at the same time so right now like for the pga tour the u.s open's going on right now they teed off at six in the morning 7 30 in the morning eight in the morning and it'll go all the way till the last guy finishes probably around that six six thirty and it's like no one's gonna watch that whole thing so it, yeah, it's no a one's qui- watching it right it's a quicker hitting style of golf and it's match play so here's where it's different. Sometimes on the PGA Tour, there are tournaments where they choose to play match play. What match play is, it's basically one golfer against another. It's basically mm-hmm. mano y mano. I'm going to get a better score than you, and if I do, I'm going to knock you out. I will win. So if you were to pair up Phil Mickelson, a guy who has a great personality and can banter and shoot the crap with a lot of the other guys, you might come up with a guy like Bryson DeChambeau, another popular guy who's great banter, and you, you let them go at it. And I want to hear them go back and forth. It's kind of what we watched with the match with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you watched. I mean, yeah. You didn't. But you well, watched. I didn't watch, but I mean, I heard all about <laughs> it. <laughs> you see, look, they even tried to make it fun, and, you, and, and they weren't able to get people to watch it. So, so they're kind of mimicking that in a sense. To me, it's just a quick hitting. There's only 48 guys on the, in the field, and it's a 54 hole. So it's a three-day tournament instead of four. 
So it's shorter, more condensed. Yes. And um, a little bit more competitive in the sense that they're allowing guys to go against each other as opposed to at one at a time, right? Absolutely. That's exactly I mean, what it, it is. I mean, it, to me, it sounds like a great idea for, for fans. Now, but now, who is involved in this style of play? Yeah, yeah. who's in it? Uh, you said Greg Norman, but who else is in it? Yeah, so uh, a few major winners. You got Dustin Johnson, another former number former world number one and it's funny because that guy was number one on the tour like eight nine months ago so mm-hmm. for this guy just to make his way on to live tours that's why kind of it's a big deal you got bryson dochambeau another major winner phil mickelson of course patrick reed louis Utzhazen, ian poulter lee westwood and the list goes on and on so the field's 48 and i think one thing that you'll respect and this is similar to ufc and, and i'm a fan of tennis and it's similar to tennis they have 15 and 16 year old prodigies on this tour mm-hmm. and I, they're giving them opportunity to shine and another thing that makes it different is there's no cut. So what a cut is in golf, when you're playing, there's an average score between, usually the field is well over 100 players, especially for the majors and going on right now. There is 120 players in the field and an average score, let's say, let's just say you're playing bad for two days and your score is really bad. There's a cut line. If you can't get to a certain score, you get cut and you get no money for it. You probably get your money from your endorsements, but you don't get paid in the prize money. Right. What the Live Golf Tour is doing is there's no cut. So you play all three days, and if you come in dead last, you bring home a bag of $120,000. See, I like that. <laughs> I know. I would think, that's what I'm saying. I would think most golfers would like that. Now, it's not getting a lot of, you know, not a lot of golfers seem to be liking this. Like, you're getting a lot of hate from a lot of golfers. Why? I think it's where the money comes from. It's all, it has to be. It is. It's all Saudi-backed. And I think back in March, and this is what everyone resides to, right? In March, Saudi Arabians ex- executed 81 men, including a journalist who covered sports, who covered the news, was almost basically a politician. And it has everything to do with a human rights activist and everybody being upset where the money comes from, which is just ironic. It's just ironic because now there's a lot of things going on in the political world that we involve ourselves with Saudi Arabia. And even guys like Jack Nicholas, a legend on the PGA Tour, has golf courses named after him in Saudi Arabia. So in my opinion, it's a lot of hypocritical stuff going on. And it's just golf historians who don't want something to change that has been around for over 100 years just want to hold on to it. They just don't want change. Simple as that to me. Now, do you think this is good for golf? I love it. I love it. And what I'm most interested in is to see the ratings and the viewership for this U.S. Open going on right now. Because I think mm-hmm. it's going to spike a little bit. Because they're, they're going on simultaneously, right? Like, is the U.S. Open is going on right now, as opposed, and so is Liv, right? Yeah, so Liv is currently at a tournament in Oregon right now. So, yeah, they are going on simultaneously. And it's funny, actually, earlier in the morning, three hours into the round, Kevin Na, who is a current player on the LIV Tour, who was banned from all of the PGA Tour events, but none of them are banned from the majors because all of those are separate entities. They don't have ties to the PGA Tour. Mm. Kevin Na was actually tied for the lead. I don't know where he stands right now. I will check the leaderboard, but he's tied for the lead. So it's funny. All that jib-jab, all that smack talk. Homeboy plays in London last week, makes $120,000, didn't even make it inside the top 10, and he jogs on over to Brooklyn, or no, Brookline, Massachusetts, and he's in contention to win this thing, and the prize is $2.25 million. So it's funny, man. All these guys realistically want to do is play golf. The problem is the media's got something to say, and all the golf historians have something to say. Wow. No, let me ask you this. Um, well, well, first, 
I just asked you, you said it's great for golf. So I'm going to ask the audience, audience, home team nation out there, is the Live Tour good for golf? What do you think about it? Call us. Let me know. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Call us. Is it good for golf? Now, again, I was saying we, we got a lot of haters. Roy McElroy, John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. You have sound from these guys. Let's hear the sound from them. I have sound. So here's where a few guys have spoken up. And it's funny because now we're hearing from guys who are, have recent success. So I'm going to start with Rory McIlroy. He's kind of talking on the LV tour. He seems to be the strongest voice talking about it. But here's a few sound bites from Rory that I want to hear your opinion on, Dean. You know, I was speaking to a few people yesterday, and, and one of the comments was anything, any decision that you make in your life that's purely for money usually doesn't end up going the right way obviously money is a deciding factor in a lot of things in this world but if it's purely for money it's not um never seems to you know it never seems to go the way you want it to that's it that's from rory mcelroy man he just wanted from why do you have why do you have an english accent at the end of his what he was saying because he's from england oh he is yeah (laughs) he didn't have like i didn't hear it before that and then at the end of it i heard the end of it i'm like what how did he just switch up on me so he is from england okay so all right so I mean, I get what he's trying to say in terms, but I mean, we're not talking about, you know, I mean, we're talking about a sport where these guys play for money. It's a game based on money. I mean, you know, if you weren't a professional and you wanted to play, you have to pay like $100,000 to join one of these elite, you know, golf clubs. So this is a sport based around money. So like that doesn't really make a lot of sense in terms of oh, if you want to do something for money, it doesn't really turn out good. Because this sport revolves around money. This is not like an artistic adventure where these guys are just playing for the art of it. This is a sport that's based around money. Like everything around golf is based on money. So absolutely, inherently, yeah, inherently what you know, golf is about money. So of course, like it's about money. All right, we got some from John Rahm and Bryson DeChambeau. You can go ahead and play those back to back. So here's Bryson and DeChambeau, and a lot of the things you spoke about. He mentioned. So it's interesting, and I want you to hear. Here's Bryson DeChambeau. It was a business decision, first and foremost, and um, that's all there was to it. It's given me a lot more opportunity outside of the game of golf and given me more time with my family and my future family. So for me, that was a decision. Was the business decision basically money-driven? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, there was a lot of financials to it and a lot of time as well. So I get to have a, a life outside of the game of golf as well. you want to play on the PGA Tour again? I would love to. It would be an honor. If you made a business decision that gives you more free time, why, why do you want to play on the PGA Tour? Because I want to play where people can see entertainment, great entertainment. I'm going to deliver that anywhere I'm at. Are you concerned about your legacy with this move? I think we'll have a new legacy. What do you think that'll be? Whatever it is. <laughs> there is a real possibility. You could not play on the PGA Tour ever again. Have you settled that with yourself? Are you, are you okay? That's not my decision to make. But if that happens? That's not my decision to make. That's someone else's decision that's making that for me. I would love to play the Memorial. I would love to play Arnold Palmer. I would love to play PJ Torbins when they would allow me to. And he, yeah, so yeah, stop it right there, man. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. I love what he's saying. It's a very honest assessment. It's Well, it's... It's exactly what I'm saying. Like, this whole thing is about money. Like, why would you not do something that's money-driven? Right. Because so, if it's your job. I mean, 100%. And I have some stats to back that. So, for each LIV golf event, it's a $25 million purse. And the winner gets $4 million. In the season, there's eight events on the Live Tour. 
Now, whoever wins this U.S. Open on the PGA Tour right now on this major only pulls in $2.25 million. So two more million dollars than a guy who wins the biggest tournament, arguably. Some would argue it's the Masters. One of the biggest tournaments on the tour. It's almost laughable. I'll keep going. By comparison, the 2022 Masters had a record $15 million purse. And the winner, Scotty Scheffler, uh, $2.7 million is what he bagged in. The 39 players who missed the cut went home with nothing. So you're flying out there, right? You're bringing your family out there. You're staying in an Airbnb. You're staying in a hotel. All the expenses that you have, and you have nothing to show for it. When I mentioned that on the Live Tour, last place gets you 120,000 racks, man. Like, it, it, it's just, it's funny. Here's a wild stat for you. Phil Mickelson was paid $200 million to join the Live Tour. Dustin Johnson, $125 million. Mm. Tiger Woods has only earned, on the course in his career, $120 million. That's just to join for Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson. So they've made more money. They've, they've already made that money, more than Tiger's made on the tour. So go get that bag. It makes no sense to me. So why are these dudes hating? I don't get why guys like Phil, uh, Roy McIlroy are hating. Who else is hating? A lot of people are hating, man. And, and I'm going to play you a John Rom clip, and I'm going to transition that right into one of my favorite clips of this entire week. But here's John Rom talking his talk about the LRV Tour. To be honest, part of the format is not really appealing to me. Shotgun three days to me is not a golf tournament, no cut. It's that simple. Uh, I want to play against the best in the world in a format that's been going on for hundreds of years. Right? So that's what I want to see. And yeah, money is great, but when Kelly and I, was, this first thing happened, we, we started talking about it. We are like, will our lifestyle change if I got $400 million? No. It will not change one bit. Truth be told, I could retire right now with what I've made and I've lived a very happy life and not play golf again. So, That was John Rahm. And Dean, he said, if I could retire right now, I would live life very happily. So what I'm going to show you next is from Michael Collins, an ESPN and Golf Network analyst who heard all this talk on the LLV tour, and he had something to say, man, you are going to dig this. It's very easy for the guy who already got a $100 million contract with Nike to then tell other people, hey, why are you just chasing the money? So you're telling all these young dudes, hey, man, you don't need to take the money. Come over here. This is where the competition is. It's all about your legacy. Cool. Legacy is not buying my plane ticket, man. So the last time I checked, I haven't seen Rory making any donations to those young dudes mm. that are out there struggling trying to get on a corn ferry tour. Like, if you want to do that, John Rahm did the same thing. John Rahm's like, hey, man, it's not about the money. It's about the legacy. All right, cool. So you're not taking a paycheck this week. Like, no-cut events don't count. All right, cool. So you're never playing a no-cut event anymore? Okay. All right. Cool. Second FedEx Cup event and the Tour Championship. You ain't playing because they're not real because it's no-cut event? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. There it is right there, dude. Yeah, and he's right. So, hold on. First off, Michael Collins is the little short, chubby black dude with the gray beard, right? <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, he's funny. We we had him at the um, – we interviewed him at the Honda Classic a few years back. He's really funny. He used to be a comedian. Really funny. I like that guy. He's 100% right. Like, you can't, you can't have those type of feelings towards somebody who's doing something for money when you already got money. No, no doubt. No doubt. Like, if you got money, it's easy for you to say, I don't need the money because you got money. But for somebody, I mean, that's such an elitist, like, uh, it's such an elitist attitude to have to, to be dogging somebody to do something for money when you already got money. Because you don't know what it's like to be trying to chase the bag. Dean, we sound 
awesome. And I think John Middlecall from the Volume Sports and the Three Now podcast is the last audio I'm going to play because I know we got to get to a break. But he's just going to put the cherry on top for everything we've been saying. He's coming to our defense right here. Here's John Middlecall from the Three Now podcast. You need stars and you need villains. And let's face it, Bryson DeChambeau was a star and a villain at the same time. Patrick Reed might be a little more golf nerdy, but everyone on the internet knows he's like a cheater. So when you lose those two guys, you can't just have a bunch of choir boys. It's like Moose Johnson told me a long time ago when I interviewed him on the radio. To have a great football team, you need characters that can play, and you need players of character. It's no different in a league. You need some drama. That's good for business. Now, you could argue beside the four majors, the Ryder Cup, and really the players, most tournaments were fragmented and only getting worse. And I'd say, yeah, that might be true. So maybe I'm being nostalgic of what this is. But I think JT said it best. This just sucks. That was John Middlecoff, my man. Yeah, he's right. I mean, this whole thing is, um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of components to it. It's a lot of, you know, rich dudes that don't want to see some dudes from the Middle East step into their game. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100%. And, and, and like he ended, he said, Justin Thomas, this just sucks. It does suck, man, because it, it's almost an entertaining platform. And I feel like if the tour members were excited about it and behind it, the golf world would be just as much, and we'd all be on the same page. But no, it's divided. I think it's the dawn of a new era almost at this point. And I like that. Change is good. Evolution is good. That's how you survive. That is the Darwinist theory of it. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk some NBA Finals. And uh, I'm going to get your take on that, Stone, when we come back. This is ESPN 106.3. You're listening to Josh Cohen and the Home Team with Dean Thomas and Tina. Delivered by Brightline. Live life on the bright side. This is ESPN 106.3. Cleveland Clinic of Florida is the destination for complex neurological care. From South Florida to the Treasure Coast, their renowned team of neurologists and neurosurgeons, they will take care of it all. From advanced epilepsy treatment and stroke recovery to specialized spinal care and brain surgery. The team of experts at Cleveland Clinic in Florida use the latest medical and robotic surgery to get you back to doing what you love because world-class care is in your community through the best neurological care in South Florida. And when it comes to the Treasure Coast, Cleveland Clinic has nearby locations, Cleveland Clinic Martin Health and Cleveland Clinic Indian River Hospital. This gives Treasure Coast residents convenient access to experts in complex neurological care. So schedule yourself an in-person or virtual visit. Just do it today. Go to clevelandclinicflorida.org slash access. That's clevelandclinicflorida.org slash access. Thank you, Cleveland Clinic of Florida. And we are back. Josh Cohen and the home team. I'm Dean Thomas. Josh is out. He's on the French Riviera. I mean, actually, Riviera Beach, chilling, eating French fries, probably (laughs) at Bud's. Tina off at uh, the Machine Gun Kelly concert or en route. So it's just me and your boy, Stone Labanowitz. You know Stone from Ken Levick Alive. You hear them every day from 12 to 2 right here on ESPN 106.3. And and, uh, Stone, we have the NBA Finals, Game 6. Game 6 coming up. When is that? Tonight? That's tonight, man. Come tonight? on. Come on, man. Listen, I'm in Austin, man. I'm, listen, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm you, getting, yeah, I'm I, getting I, prepared I'm not, for the pre-show. Right. I'm not going to fault you, man. You got bigger and better things. You're making that bag yourself out there covering UFC, which 
to the fans is just as important as these as as, as these NBA finals, man. To me, it's more important. Listen, I'll, listen. If y'all don't know me by now, man, I'm gonna be on ESPN Live tomorrow. ESPN Live or ESPN the pre-show covering the fight. But let's talk. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's talk about the finals because I know that's what the people want to hear, and I know that's what the, what you got to deliver. And you know else? What do we need to and, know? And you know what else? Because I know my basketball, brother. That's true. That's true. And it's just it's it's like a, a visceral response that when I start talking about basketball, it just comes to me. So when it's because I know my basketball, brother, it's gonna hit me in a moment. Everything we need to know. But for now, Stone, what do we need to know about tonight's game? Man, this is one of the biggest games of Steph Curry's career, and why? Definitely Jason Tatum's because man, he's never been able to close out a game like MJ used to do when you were young. It didn't have gray hair. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm Come on, man. You ain't had to throw, the, you ain't had to throw, throw me under the bus uh, like that. You I'm, ain't throw a shot at me. I mean, I can always throw the hair in there. You know I'm balding anyway. But seriously, man, Steph has an opportunity to do something tonight that, in my opinion, he's never done. Yeah, he's got rings. We know that. But he's going into Boston, a hostile environment, coming off of a game where he went over 9 from three-point land. I know you guys went over these stats on home team, and I know every single show blasted them out everywhere, but I'll do it once more. 132 straight playoff games with a made three, 232 games straight up with a made three. Homeboy went out there in game five and went 0-4-9. So I think the bounce back game is loading for him, but here's, I heard something from Evan Cohen earlier that, that, that sticks with me, and it will as I watch every single minute of the game tonight. But back in the day, in MJ's prime, mm-hmm. With a chance to close out games, whether it was a game six, whether it was a game seven, if he was walking into another arena, like they feared him. It was almost like it was his game to lose. It was the Bulls' game to lose. And it's never really felt that way with Steph, but he's capable of making it feel that way. If, he, if, if tip-off, go, tip-off happens, and in that first quarter he knocks down four tray balls and looks up at the people in TD Garden and lets them know, I'm right here, like I'm not going anywhere. I want him to do that. I hope he does that. It'll go down. It's the biggest game in, in his career, and he has the best opportunity right in front of him tonight at 9 p.m. Listen, Eastern. Steph Curry don't put fear in nobody. I know. That's the problem. That is a, that's a problem, and there's a reason why he doesn't put fear in nobody because he's so dainty. Right. I mean, I agree. Like he's, like, like he, like he's so flimsy looking. Like He's quick, and he does. He makes shots like no one else can make shots like a, like a movie, but he's so dainty, and he can't put fear in nobody. Absolutely, and right now I'm loading up a clip from Jalen Brown, and he's talked about exactly what you just said right there, man. There's just not enough guys on that team that are scary. They're they're known as the small ball lineup team. Draymond has not been the Draymond that we know, and it's just odd to me, man. But here's Jalen Brown talking about the same thing you were that we ain't scared of them boys. We got, um, we don't, we are not scared. We do not fear. Um, the Golden State Warriors, we want to come out and just play the best version of basketball um, that we can. We know it's a good team over there. We know they've done it before. Um, but we have all the belief in ourselves. So we're going to come out and, and leave it all out there. That's the, that's the whole intent. Is he bluffing, Dean? I don't know. I no, can't really tell. It's not, I mean, it's, I don't think he's bluffing. I just, But this is the question. I don't think he's bluffing because – when I look at the Golden State Warriors, I don't see a bunch of scary-looking dudes. I mean, ain't you know what I'm saying? They ain't got no Rasheed Wallace's over there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's and Charles Oakley. It's a bunch of just dudes that can shoot real good. But that's what I'm saying. So why are the Celtics having such a problem with them? Like, is the refs are the refs that big of a uh, 
a part of this that they're calling a lot of fouls on him that they can't get physical with him? But like, why are they? Why are the Celtics struggling and not really putting them away? Absolutely not. This has nothing to do with the dudes wearing stripes. I'll tell you what it is. It's turnovers, man. They've been a problem for the Celtics. They're now one and seven this postseason when committing sixteen or more turnovers, and they did eighteen last week or a couple nights ago in Game Five. They turn the ball over, and there's one thing that if you do get a chance to watch any of the game tonight, you'll even catch this because he's done it the entire postseason and, honestly, his entire career. Jason Tatum, when he takes the ball to the cup, whether it's a dribble drive or he's posting up or he's coming off a screen and he takes that shot and gets fouled, he's one of the guys, and there is a long list of guys in the league that do this, but they throw their hands up and they find the ref that should have made the call and they talk to him. And he's holding up his hands the whole time like, you know, where's my call, where's my call? And by that time... Six seconds have gone by, and the ball's already in the cup on the other end of the court. And we see that time and time again, and it's Jason Tatum's specialty right now, man. Golden State is so good in transition. So many points off of turnovers. In game five, 18 turnovers, 22 points off of those turnovers. So anytime Boston gives Golden State the ball, they just put it in the cup, and they lost by double digits. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons why. They turned the ball over constantly. Man, I absolutely hate that in sports. This is one of my biggest pet peeves in sports, especially as a coach, is when – the athlete is always looking for help from the ref. Yeah. Like you in fact, like so like that was one of the things that I would always teach my athletes is that you know you've broken somebody when they're looking for the ref for help. Like, hey, this guy's cheating. Or hey, like when when they go over and start talking to the ref about, oh, he's grabbing my glove or he's doing this, that's when you know you broke somebody. So it's to me that's a bad sign for Jason Tatum if he's like stopping his play to look for help from the ref. Now, that's a really good call because I feel like, and you can tell me more than I can because I was never able to watch MJ live, but I feel like he was the guy that if you were fouling him, he was almost smirking at you. He was almost smiling. Like, because okay. they, knew, they, knew that they, they knew that you had to resort to like dirty tactics. Like when you, when you can get somebody to resort to cheating and doing dirty tactics, you know you broke that person mentally. Right, and you don't want to throw your arms up because then I, it just gives me assurance that I'm in your head. And I, I feel like MJ, that was his specialty. Like, okay, I got you. Give me two seconds. I'll show you down there on the other end. And he would sprint back and play some defense. LeBron James was able to do the same thing, and that's why he inflicts fear on players. It's like, okay, that's how we want to do it. That's fine. I'm not, and, and, and I say that, and LeBron is a very whiny basketball player, but rightfully so because he doesn't get a lot of the calls that he should. But I feel like there's guys where you can tell, you can have that look in their eyes like, okay, okay, none of this is affecting me. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get after it because I am that guy. And you're, that's why the Warriors aren't scary. They don't have that guy. See, that's why, and I hate to date myself here, but that's, how, that's the type of person I am. Like, if you fouled me, okay, that's the type of game we playing? Right. No problem. That's, that's how we playing? No problem. I'm going to come back and foul you back. Yeah, you know what I'm a- saying? Like, that's the type of game that I'm trying to play. Like, these dudes – but the last thing I would ever do is be complaining about fouls. Like, even my son, like, my son plays soccer. Like, when he, like, you know how soccer players are. I mean, that's, oh, like, part goodness. of that's Like, flopping is a part of the game. But sometimes I, I see it. It can be worn sometimes, especially at that age group. But, we're like, when my son does that, I'm like, yo, man, don't, don't, don't complain. Don't embarrass get, your pops. Yeah, a UFC yeah don't, yo, don't, 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 for a living. I'm like, yo, don't embarrass me like this. Don't, you embarrassing <laughs> the family name, brother. You can't embarrass us like that. If you get fouled or you get, you feel like somebody cheap shotted you, hey, it's open season. It is open season. Open season. It's open season. You, I'm go going get even. even. Open season, go get even. I'm going right back at you. I don't understand how, like, if you, if you plan at this level, 
you complaining to the refs about the game. Like do you so like the refs are there to enforce the rules, but like Yeah, man, I, you, I mean I'm, I I'm getting everything. I couldn't agree with you more and we spoke a couple of months ago on mindset and what frame of mind you were in before a fight. And you said straight up, you were willing to die before that bell rung, before you guys touched knuckles. Like you knew you might not be coming out of there. You might be paralyzed. You might break a limb. Like you signed up for that. You knew that going in. And a lot of these guys in the NBA, and you mentioned soccer, they, they don't have that mindset. And no, it, they, they definitely. I mean, it, obviously it's a <laughs> completely different mindset. But you got to have some type of killer instinct to 100, play any sport. 100%. I think the only person that has killer instinct out there is Draymond Green. And he hasn't been able to do anything offensively. There's no production from him. Usually he's that pesky defender and stuff. I mean, he just keeps fouling out of games, and he's not really who he thinks he is. And, and I mean, it's sad, but there's really – Nobody on that court with the killer instinct. I think Jason Tatum, probably the most talented besides Steph Curry on the, uh, out of the 10 guys on the court, is averaging, I think, three and a half points in the fourth quarter through six games, which is just not going to cut it, man. So I'm looking for one of these guys tonight to have that killer instinct that we talked about and close one of these damn games out themselves. So is Steph having the best career or best finals of his career? I don't think so. I, think, I mean, but that's what everybody. I mean, that's what I'm reading is that he's having like you know he shoot. I mean, I mean, obviously last game he went 0 for nine yeah. from the three, so like that's obviously not a good look. But so I think the narrative that's going around right now is if he wins Finals MVP, is this the biggest achievement of his career? And if he wins Finals MVP, I think ten years down the road we will say this was his best Finals. But statistically, when you're looking at it, man, he hasn't been efficient. He had a 43-point performance in Game 3, I believe, 16 two days ago. I think he's averaging like 24, and Tatum's averaging 23-7-7 himself. So statistically, he's not a tier above. I think it's a reach, and it's a sad way to get an MVP because he hasn't been that dude, that, that, that unanimous, we're giving this guy the MVP. It's kind of just the biggest name, the most popular guy on the most popular team. They're going for their fourth title in eight seasons. Like, it's obviously going to go to Steph, right? Like, it would be embarrassing and hurtful. It would be a, a stain on his career if they didn't give it to him. So it's a little aggravating for me. But I think if he can go out tonight and score over 30, 35, give us 40, he's the unanimous MVP, and this is the best finals of his career. But if he doesn't and they still win, man, it'll be a little weird. We'll look down later on the road and be like, man, this guy really wasn't, wasn't that dog in that series, and we just gave him the MVP because you know he needed it. He doesn't have one right now. Well, to me, it seems like the biggest – question mark for not only Steph Curry but everybody playing in both teams it's been consistency like no one has seemed to be very consistent in this entire finals no that's a really good call it's been very bizarre I think there's been one game within a double digit margin of victory which is odd and it doesn't happen and it seems like that's what it's been this whole postseason we've titled it now the National Blowout Association like at one point in the game, you're able to turn your TV off because one team's up by a big margin, and you know this game's over. So it's, it's been bizarre the whole time. I do look, look for this one to be tightly contested. If I were to give it, I, I would say Golden State gets out of there, wins by under five, and if Boston wins, they're going to win by double digits. I don't think this one's that close. Well, that, but that's what I think it has a lot to do with the fact that, like we were just talking about earlier, like there's no real dogs yeah. out there because dogs don't let that happen. Like when you are a dog, like when things start getting a little rough for you, <laughs> no pun intended. When things get a little, when things get a little, he, I, know, I, I don't know how I slipped on that one. But when things start getting a little rough, and you are an absolute dog, you go out there and you, 
you start fouling people, like you start playing really physical, like you like you care. So like it seems like they just give up. It's like as soon as they're down, they're like, they just give up. So one more point to that, because I know we got to get to break, but I'm gonna come after young versus old, me versus you right now, because I do have an argument in a, in a bone to pick with people who think that when these games, when teams win by 15, 16 points. And I hear that, like, you know, why aren't you getting more aggressive and stuff like that? I think it just speaks to the talent that's on the court right now in 2022. Like, these dudes are able to turn it up a notch and just be out of this world. Like, guys nowadays are going on scoring runs by themselves. We even saw bench players like Max Struess for the Miami Heat score 12 straight by himself. Like, when Tracy McGrady did it back in the day, 13 and 30 seconds, like, it it broke the world, shattered the world. Steph's done that like four times now. Coming in and out of timeouts and ending the half and ending third quarter and first quarters with buckets and big threes and half court shots. Like these guys are scoring nine points by themselves. So I think it speaks to their talent, man. These dudes got so much in their game. Their bag is so deep. So I think when you see teams win by a lot, it's just yeah, but, really nothing you can do should, about it. But shouldn't that speak for the defense as well? Like, I mean, it definitely. Talent, but, it, but the defense should have should be able to keep up with that. Like, so defensively, these no guys doubt. should be just as talented to be able to not allow that to happen. Yeah, I think there's weak links defensively on a team. And when a team can attack those guys, that's when the game gets out of hand. So, yeah, there are, there are some soft guys out there a lot of the time, guys who can't play defense who maybe are able to shoot the three ball that allow for people to just open that D wide, open that defense wide open and stuff like that. I, I just think it gets tricky sometimes, but sometimes there are softies on this thing. But All right, well, let me tell you about uh, some defense and lack of defense, and that's my boy Greg Hardy. He just signed with the Bare Knuckle Boxing Association. We're going to get into that when we come back from break. I'm Dean Thomas at Stone Lebanowitz. This is ESPN 106.3. <laughs> You're listening to Josh Cohen and the home team with Dean Thomas and Tina. Delivered by Brightline. Live life on the bright side. This is ESPN 106.3. And welcome back. Josh Cohen and the home team. I am Dean Thomas. Joining me is Stone Labanowitz in our uh, segment, last segment before the top of the hour. We Let's go to the phone line. Stone, who we got? We got Jaron from West Palm. Yes, we do. Jaron, what's going on, brother? What's going on, gentlemen? What up? Man, I I, 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 I got to come on and stick up for my, my, my fellow light-skinned brother, Steph Curry. Are you a, oh, wait a minute. You are you a light-skinned? Oh, no. Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> hey, you be, ta- you be man, taking listen. selfies with the, with the duck lips? Uh, well, uh, well I, I ain't that light-skinned. <laughs> man, listen. I mean, listen, for, first and foremost, Jalen Brown is definitely intimidated by Steph Curry. Um, I just don't – I'm trying to figure out here what series you guys have been watching. Steph Curry has – he's scored he, – he's scored 30, almost 30 points every game. He scored 16 two nights ago. Yeah, but he had eight assists. They, they, he, he had a bad shooting night, right? You take his three-point three shots weren't there, but he had eight assists. He was still getting his, getting his teammates involved. He played great defense. Um, it's just that Wiggins had a really big, you know, um, Wiggins had a really big game. But if you go back and look at what Steph did throughout the whole series, win, lose, or win or lose, he was, he was scoring 30 points. 
Yeah, thir- I think he had a 29 yeah. points. Yeah, thir- 29 points was the lowest in, in the last four. Yes, yeah, so four thir- to 15. 34 in game one, 29 in game two. Game three, two. he had 30, 31. I think it was 31, 31. Yeah, and then and it- then he had the four. Then he had the, then he scored 43 in Boston. Yeah, so that's- to, to bring to even to even the series at two two and and get home court back. Yeah, so so that I mean, that twenty five point average is just brought down because of that sixteen point performance. I hear you, brother, for sure. The fifteen point, man, that forty three point game. I mean, that was big because you know what's the statistic of a team in the finals going down three one and coming back? It's never happened. So he, that was a must win in Boston. He scores forty three points to bring home court advantage back. Um, his teammates stuck. Um, you know stepped up last game, you know, it was about time because they hadn't been stepping up the whole series. He's basically been carrying the team. I mean, I, so, I, I absolutely think Steph Curry, hands down, has been playing his butt off. So let me ask you this, Jaron. Is Steph Curry playing the best finals of his career? I'm going to have to say yes, and this is the reason why I'm going to say that. Um, he had the help of... of uh, KD. Um, uh, 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 well, before KD, you had Iguodala. Um, yeah. And also, you, you had Clay Thompson in prime form um, when they won that first one, and then you bring KD on um, for the for that for the next two. Um, you had Draymond playing on on the high cylinders. This is the first series where he doesn't have a definite um, superstar next to him. I mean, you know, Clay is still kind of getting himself back together. Draymond is, is trying to find himself here defensively and trying to help out. Um, I guess you can say Poole is, is, is doing a little something, but even he kind of dropped off this series. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, Steph Curry really is – he's been carrying this team through this whole – I mean, and – I mean, Brown has been amazing. So so you mentioned that Jalen um, – Jaron, do you think Jalen Brown's bluffing when he says he's not afraid of these Warriors and, and, and the Boston Celtics do not fear these guys? I mean, I, 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 um, Jalen. I, I think they, they have to be have they, they have some fear now. Yeah. It's win or go home. So I'm thinking he's saying that they want to go out with that mindset, but they also know how dangerous this team is. Clay is is very deadly in Game Six. Game Six, Clay. So, so, out, so who wins tonight? Out the who Mavericks. wins tonight? Okay, okay. So here's where you're gonna say I'm crazy. But I, I do, I, I. I think that the Celtics would probably defend home court. And the reason why I say that is because nobody wants to get a championship won on their on their home court. Yeah. And Boston's going to be the most However, loud. I don't they go back if they go back to San Fran there's no way they're winning in San Fran. It's just <laughs> not happening. I I can always 100% guarantee that ain't happening. I love it. Jaren, so the Golden State Warriors will win. Jaron, before I get you out of here because we do got to get to the next hour and get to this break. I'm going to go on record, and we're going to get some player props here going for you. So, Steph Curry, over or under four and a half three-pointers tonight, Jaron? I think he's going to uh, – I'm going to say over. Okay. Steph Curry, right. over 30 and a half points tonight, Jaron. I think Steph's going to go for almost 40 tonight. So you're rocking with your light-skinned brother. I love oh, to hear it, my man. Appreciate you. Thanks for the now, Hey, wait. Now listen. The question is going to be where are the other points going to come from, and that's going to determine if they can pull it out tonight. No doubt about it. I think it comes from Game 6. Clay, again, Jaron, thanks for the call, my man. Dean, what do you think about that? Over 30 points and over four threes? Listen, I'm just 
I'm just impressed that the light skin came out to support the light skin. Why? Oh, you're impressed? Yeah, no doubt. I'm, That's I'm, respect. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by that. You know what I'm saying? I'm impressed by that. But I, I don't know, man. I, I think I'm going to chime in and watch some of the games tonight to see what's happening. And uh, I don't know, though, because I'm rooting. Listen, I'm rooting for the Celtics. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. I am, as a sports fan, like just to take away, I'm a giant NBA fan, but as a casual we want to see a Game 7 in the finals, right? There's no better thing besides the Super Bowl, besides Game 7 Stanley Cup, besides the Masters, besides one of the best pay-per-view fights and some of the best Conor McGregor and Poirier. Yeah, like, there's you, nothing like it. Yeah, you, you kind of need that. And so if, if the Celtics win tonight, they go back to Golden State, right? Yes, sir. See, now that's going to be tough for the Celtics to win there. It's going to be tough, man. That's but at the same time, to to pressure's on... Golden State's shoulders, just like it is on Boston's right now, man. I don't know. It's tough to call. It but I, I think I think I think Boston would can handle the pressure at home tonight better than Golden State handling the pressure there. But if you're Golden State, you really got nothing to lose tonight. Like if you hit your shots early in the first quarter, the pressure's now on Boston because Golden State feels like they don't have much to be afraid of, man. I don't know. It's gonna get real tricky. But let's get to that next hour, my man. Yeah, let's do that. When we come back, I promise you we're going to talk about Greg Hardy, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Greg Hardy.